God is so good. When I started planning the talks for this weekend, and of course, the opening talk is like, oh, it's Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, that's pretty ominous. No, we're not superstitious. But then Saturday was the feast of the triumph of the Holy Cross, the exaltation of the cross. What a perfect feast for remembering what Christ has done for us and bringing all of our junk to the cross. And then I looked at today's gospel, and it's like, the Lord is so good, you know, he provided for us on this weekend. God wants to give and receive blessings. All blessings trace back to the heart of God, just as we sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. In Genesis, the very first words God spoke were words of blessing. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. When God created us, just as when he created Adam and Eve, he looked at us. God saw all he had made. And saw it was very good. What was in God's heart as he spoke that first blessing? It was a heart full of delight and pleasure with his creation, a heart filled with joy. The word blessing literally means a good word. A blessing is a good word that finds its source in the heart of God. And as we now know from the earlier keys, words have power. So receiving the blessing from the heart of God has the power to change and transform us. And in scripture, blessing relates to speaking. It is speaking well about some, speaking to impart power to someone. When we speak a blessing, we speak God's hearts and his thoughts into another person's heart. And this is the treasure we all seek. Our hearts are searching for the treasure of God's words, God's thoughts about us. And even more, we've now been given the ability to speak words of encouragement and revelation from the heart of God that have the power to change the life of others. God's plan is that his church and the family would be a constant source of speaking God's blessing over us. Every one of us needs to be blessed. We need to hear that whisper of the Father and receive what's in his heart for us. Yet the reality is, no matter how good one's human father is, because he's human and sinful, he cannot perfectly and completely reveal the Heavenly Father's unconditional love. And so we can reflect on how God the Father broke in with words of blessing during the life of his son, Jesus. Again, if you have the companion guide, it lists all the scripture passages for those moments. Words of blessing spoken at Jesus' conception and while in his womb, at his birth and presentation, his baptism and transfiguration. God spoke blessing over his son at all the major points in his life. So you can look up those scripture passages or even read Neil Lozano has a very imaginative children's book 
of how Mary and Joseph would repeat to the child Jesus the stories of his birth, telling him how God had a special plan for his life. But today, by God's providence, we have the very gospel story of the prodigal son, a parable in which Jesus reveals to us the heart of the Father. I invite you to spend time meditating on this story in Luke 15, which reveals what is God like, what's on his heart. In fact, Neil Lozano also has a book. It's not one of the ones we have here. Abba's Heart, Finding Our Way Back to the Father's Delight, which is really the whole book, an extended reflection on this story and a extended reflection on the fifth key, the Father's blessing. I'm sure we're all familiar with this parable of the father and two sons. The younger son, in demanding his inheritance, is basically saying to his father, you're dead to me. He goes off and squanders the money on wine, women, and song. And when his money runs out in desperation, he becomes a hired hand, serving slop to pigs, starving. He realizes that even his father's servants have enough to eat. So he heads home, hoping his father will accept him as a servant. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The father embraces him back, not as a servant, but as a full, beloved son. The older, faithful son becomes envious although he too is invited to the banquet. Now, the typical interpretation is to find ourselves in this story, as the two sons represent all of us. One son is sinful and runs away from his father. He's lost and hungry, destitute and alone. The other son remains, and he looks good on the outside, but inside he's full of bitterness, resentment, anger, judgment, and self-pity. Do these things sound familiar? But ultimately, the parable is not just about us. It's a revelation of the Father's heart. Look at how the Father relates to his Son and how he relates to us. Jesus wants you to know the Father's love for you. Notice the Father's generosity. Even at the beginning, he allows his younger son to take his inheritance and squander it. The father's love is vulnerable. He even lets his son take advantage of his love. But when the son does, he's not filled with anger. He doesn't have any of that wounded pride. On the contrary, what's on the father's heart? Only perhaps a sadness, a loss a desire to be reunited with his son. When his son returns, there's no lecture or punishment, only a heart full of mercy, ready to forgive and restore and celebrate. The first four keys of Unbound all lead to the fifth key, the Father's blessing, to receive our identity as children of God. Who am I in God's sight? Do I recall I'm a unique, unrepeatable gift? Do I know I'm not an accident or happenstance? Do I believe God has a plan for every person he creates? That every person is a gift for this world? 
Think of how the father awaits the return of his son. He's scanning the horizon, looking for him. And then how he runs to embrace him and restores his place in the family. Celebrates like there's no tomorrow. This is the image of our Heavenly Father, eternally running towards his lost children. Now we need to be honest in prayer and reflect, what is my relationship with the Father like? How do I identify with or picture God? Is he close or distant? And what is my own identity? Am I beloved in his sight? The truth is we have a father who has never abandoned us. He was always there, speaking to us those words of blessing, even though at times we could not hear him. This was brought home for me, meditating a few weeks ago, on another parable, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You may recall this story of three servants. The first servant received five talents, made five more. The second received two talents, made two more. But the servant who received one talent buried it in the ground. Why did he do that? Jesus says it was out of fear. Because the servant viewed his master as a demanding person. I already shared how this used to match my own view of God. As a person who was very hard to please. And how this shaped my view of him more as a judge waiting to condemn, or as a master over his slaves. Jesus tells that parable because he wants us to see the error the third servant made. How we may fail to have a relationship with our Father because we're the ones blocking the gifts God so generously wants to get, quite often out of fear or shame. So I was meditating on that parable, wondering why one servant gets five talents, another two, the third one, one. I'm not a biblical scholar, but even I know those are not not typical biblical numbers like seven or twelve. So I moved on without knowing why one, two, and five. And then I saw that verse that I'm sure was always there and somehow missed. He gave to each according to his ability. It's not so much the amount that matters, but the fact that the master knew exactly how much to give each servant. And what a truth and consolation that spoke to me. God knows me so well. He gives me exactly what I need. No more, no less. I spent the rest of my prayer time pondering and applying this one truth, realizing For example, I had no reason to be jealous if others have talents that I don't. Because God gives me exactly what he wants me to have. I can't grumble and complain about my physical handicap because God knows exactly what's best for me. This truth also can apply to prayer. God doesn't always give me a new insight or healing or consolation every time I pray. But he does give it exactly when and in the amount I need it in order to be reminded of the truth. He knows me. He loves me. He gives me what is best. 
The devil's original lie, which began in the Garden of Eden, is still the exact same lie. He tries to get us to believe in every generation. God's not a good father. He can't be trusted. To use a football analogy, it's like he runs the exact same trick play. And yet we still fall for it. He runs it every single down. You think we would learn? That's what this weekend is about, right? I'm ready now. I'm ready for the trick play. I'm ready to recognize the lie of the enemy. When it comes, I'm going to reject it and say, no, that's not true. I know I am beloved. I know the Father loves me. One last small breakthrough in my own story. Before, I had someone once ask if they could pray for my legs for the healing of my cerebral palsy. And I brushed that off saying, well, I was born this way. As if God couldn't heal the man born blind. <laughs> but that was just an excuse for what was really going on. Right? The lies. God wouldn't do that for me. I don't deserve to be healed. Having gone through unbound and also having my faith stretched, I believe God does want to heal much more than I previously thought. If only I would stop limiting him. Now, I don't know whether the Father wants to heal me, but I've now allowed and had other people pray for my legs. But I'm also just getting better at noticing and rejecting those lies when they come. God can heal me. I am worthy of his blessings as his son. So in the fifth key, the Father's blessing, we receive blessing from the Father. And know he was speaking the blessing at all the major times in our lives. Even if we didn't hear or receive it at the time, it's not too late to receive it now. Because when God speaks, it's eternal, his word. It remains forever. And the blessings that Jesus received from the Father belong to us because we are in Christ and identify with him. And so God has been whispering and speaking to you about who you are, perhaps even on this weekend. And he wants you to be free to take hold and enter into your identity. Again, recall those words of blessing the Father spoke at Jesus' baptism. As Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open, the Spirit of God descends upon him, and the voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Those words apply to us. This is also Evangelization 101. These are two truths that we need to know and share. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Yet immediately after this, as Matt talked about, when Jesus goes into the desert, he's tempted by the devil who comes in an attack right at the point of Jesus' identity and relationship with the Father, saying, if you are the Son of God, Command these stones become bread. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. If you acknowledge me as your Father, 
so too the evil one attempts to rob us, just as he did with Jesus. He presents a lie of rejection to us, attacking our identity and our life's purpose. Neil Lozano notes a second time in the Gospels, Jesus was tempted and his life's purpose was attacked. This time the temptation comes from an unlikely source. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and tells his closest companion how he's going to suffer and die. And Peter says, God forbid that that should happen to you. As one translation says, Peter rebuked the Lord. And Jesus turns and says, get away from me. Get behind me, you Satan. Jesus rebukes Peter because he knew exactly where this temptation was coming from. The enemy tries to rob us of both truths, our identity and our mission. But Jesus has a mission. He's come to restore us to the Father's blessing so we can come home to the Father. And in immediately, strongly rejecting it, Jesus gives us an example of how we need to handle such temptations. Jesus doesn't say, let's sit down and discuss this, Peter. <laughs> let's draw up a list of pro and cons. He knew where this was coming from, and he rebuked it. He would not entertain it. So when you hear the lies, the attacks of the enemy, we learn to rebuke them right away and say, I will not fellowship with you. I will not listen to those lies about my life. I will not allow them to dwell in my thoughts. Parents have an incredibly difficult task of correcting their children when they do something wrong, yet at the same time honoring their identity. Too often it all gets confused and mixed up. And when we were being corrected by our parents, we experienced rejection. But if we're surrounded by blessing as children, all that other stuff falls away. But if we don't know the blessing, if we're not firm in our identity, we can grow up thinking that every time someone corrects me, they're rejecting me. If we're not blessed, we won't know the truth, that I have a plan. God has a purpose for my life. And God has given me all the gifts I need to fulfill it. If our identity and destiny are not affirmed, we basically have two choices as described in the parable of the two sons. One choice is to try harder, to earn it. If I can't be acceptable, at least I can be right. And I fall into that extreme of a reliance on myself and being focused on the rules and self-righteousness. This, of course, is the way of the older brother. Too many in the church don't know they're loved by God. They're just trying harder and harder to earn it. The second choice is to give up, to think it's hopeless. That's what the prodigal son did. I'll never be good enough. I'm not worthy of my father. I'll never be as good as my older brother. So I turned to alcohol, drugs, pornography, the internet, anything to try and escape and forget. And Neil makes 
an important point. Our own blessing by God is incomplete until we also give it to others. So what we did last night, I am beloved, I am chosen, I am called, I am destined for glory. You have to take that and speak it to others. You are called. You are a beloved daughter. You are chosen. You are destined for glory. God wants us to learn to bless others. Of course, especially parents who help their children know their identity, to know they belong, to truly touch them, sometimes with hugs, but also by spoken words. For some, it's been generations in their family that fathers and mothers have lost that sense of blessing and failed to pass it on to their children. Some children were unwanted. Others lost their parents. But that's just the small story. That's not the bigger story. Our parents are not to blame because we're responsible for our own lives. And know that no matter what happened in our history and past, God can take all that stuff and make something really beautiful out of it. I started with Romans 8.38. We know that all things work for good for those who love God who called you according to his purpose. That's why I repeat, it's never too late for God to speak and provide the blessing that you may have missed in childhood. And by taking up your freedom in Christ, we learn to bless others. We have that power given to us by Jesus, who won the victory on the cross and now shares it with us. So we can take our stand against the schemes of the devil Jesus came to destroy the devil's works. So now we can hear the whisper of the Father, know our true identity, and be confident in the purpose that he has for each one of us. Like the prodigal son, when we come back to the house of the Father, we get back everything that was taken or stolen from us. We're no longer just living that small story trapped in lies. We're living the larger story of salvation, the story of the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the eternal story. And redemption means we're breaking out of our small story that has defined us and now being identified and defined as a member of God's family, as one who belongs, as one who shares in this eternal destiny Jesus had provided for us before the Father. To bring this all to conclusion, I'd like to read from a letter written by Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Another reason why she's a canonized saint is letters like this one. She says, Jesus wants me to tell you again how much love he has for each one of you beyond all you can imagine. I worry some of you still have not really met Jesus one-to-one, you and Jesus alone. We may spend time in chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul how he looks at you with love? Do you really know the living Jesus, not from books, but from being with him in your heart? Have you heard the loving words he he speaks to you, 
Ask for the grace. He is longing to give it. Never give up this daily intimate contact with Jesus as the real living person, not just the idea. How can we last even one day without hearing Jesus say, I love you? Impossible. Our soul needs that as much as the body needs to breathe air. If not, prayer is dead. Meditation only thinking. Jesus wants you to hear him speaking in the silence of your heart. Be careful of all that can block that personal contact with the living Jesus. The devil may try to use the hurts of life and sometimes our own mistakes to make you feel it is impossible that Jesus really loves you, is really cleaving to you. This is a danger for all of us. And so sad because it is completely opposite of what Jesus is really wanting, waiting to tell you. Not only that he loves you, but even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you. He loves you always, even when you don't feel worthy. When not accepted by others, even by yourself sometimes, he is the one who always accepts you. My children, you don't have to be different for Jesus to love you. Only believe you are precious to him. Bring all you are suffering to his feet. Open your heart to be loved by him as you are. He will do the rest. Today, may we hear that voice of the Father speak to us. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. And whom I take great delight. And whom I have great pleasure. May we each hear Jesus speak those words in our heart. I bless you. I love you. You are precious to me. To Jesus Christ be honor and glory forever. Amen.